0: This is a faithful saying deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Thanks for joining me today. This is Faithful Sayings broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Well, good morning and thank you for tuning in today. We're in Proverbs chapter 10, picking up in our series on a, on, in the book of Proverbs. We're moving forward with a new topic today from that book, and that is our speech and how to use our words wisely. It's a very, uh, very important topic. Uh, a large part of the book of Proverbs is dedicated to addressing this issue, issue. All of Scripture really is has a lot to say about it. So we're going to dive a little bit into this, this topic this morning. Proverbs chapter 10, in verse 19, Solomon says, Where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. And so we're going to use that verse as our launch pad this morning into this discussion about controlling our speech and minding our words, using them in a wise and godly way. It's interesting that a University of Arizona study found that men and women Speak roughly the same amount of words a day. Uh, a doctor, by the doctor of name, uh, by the name of Mayhew or uh, Mayhill. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but he did this study and found that about fifteen thousand words is about how many words a day the average man and woman, for that matter, speaks. And that's quite a bit of talking when you think about it. And I, I'm, you know, I've never th- thought about how many words I've spoken in a day, but it's uh, 15,000 is a lot and that the impact of our words biblically when we look and see the when scripture speaks of our influence and the importance of our speech it's very difficult to overstate just how important and how impactful our words can be whether we're speaking 15,000 a day or 20,000 or 40,000 you know we can use those words in a good way to comfort people or to educate Um, or to convict someone or to teach someone, encourage them, bless them, uh, even communicate the gospel to them, right, with with our words. Whether we're talking about spoken words or written words or online communication, there's a whole lot of avenues that come into this discussion when we're talking about uh, speech. And yet we also can use our words uh, for great harm and an evil we can curse and insult and tear people down and blaspheme and you know the list could go on right and scripture is is telling us we need to be careful and it's also teaching us everything we need to know about how to use our words wisely and righteously you know in this book alone proverbs where, where our focus has been for the last several months Uh, Proverbs addresses just the book of Proverbs, not the whole Bible, but just the book of Proverbs. It's about 900 verses. It's just over 900 verses in the whole book of Proverbs. And 150 150 times Solomon addresses the use of speech and and the use of righteous speech. So that's one-sixth of the entire book. That's just in Proverbs. So we can't even begin to really scratch the surface here on a 30-minute radio program and, and so much... Further study is going to be left to us and and digging deeper and, and cross-referencing in and, and some of these passages that we're going to be thinking about this morning. But uh, but Solomon had a lot to say about this all-important issue, right? Just the sheer amount of content alone, you know, hundred and fifty verses out of nine hundred, that's that's quite a bit. That's one-sixth of again the, the entire book of Proverbs. So and and when we find when when we go to the New Testament, we see that Jesus also uh, gave tremendous importance to what we say. In in fact, he he says in Matthew chapter 12 in verses 36 and 37, he says, "I tell you that men will give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned." Think about what he's saying here. So this is this is Jesus, the word of God incarnate and the wisdom of God incarnate. And he is saying, every careless word that you and I have ever spoken, we will give an account for. Well that gives us some new perspective, doesn't it? And I, I think in, in remembering Jesus' teaching here and this this stern warning, I think it's going to go a long way in helping us restrain ourselves and and, and be a little more cautious and be a little more calculating in, in what we say and think about what we're going to say. Proverbs and In chapter 18 and verse 21, Solomon says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's powerful, isn't it? So we have to recognize the power of words and use them with restraint and use them carefully, use them in a godly and wise way. So how can we do that? I'm, I'm going to, again, just offer a few points this morning. We can only scratch the surface Solomon goes a lot deeper, and all all of Scripture, of course, has much more to say than I can say in in a short time here. But we're just going to think about uh, some very basic points, I think, to help us at least get started down the road to using our words more wisely. And I, I think a good starting point would be just owning up to our responsibility to control our tongues. Just acknowledge that by virtue of the command here that Jesus is saying, Essentially, be careful. I'm paraphrasing there, Matthew twelve thirty six, and and as Solomon said in our, our first text, when there's many words, transgression is unavoidable. So we just have to own up to the fact that we are in control and that we are responsible for controlling our tongues and restraining our words and being very measured in what we say uh, to people and what we communicate in, online or in, or in writing. Uh, we have to to guard our mouths. In fact. Solomon says in Proverbs 21:23 that whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. So if we're just unregulated and just venting and you, you know we're just saying the first thing that pops into our head all the time, that's not wise. That's not being a responsible user, I guess, so using our words wisely. Um, and, and that's on you to do that for you, and it's on me to do it for me. I, I can't guard your mouth for you, and you cannot guard mine. I have to own up to the fact that I'm in control of what I say. You know, David says this in, in Psalms. He says, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. So there's someone who's showing ownership, right? This kind of responsibility that we're talking about here. I am going to watch my ways. He says, I'm going to keep my tongue from sin. I'm going to put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. Psalm 39 and verse 1. And so that's someone who has not only the knowledge or, or is owning up to the responsibility, but he has a determination, right? He has, he has resolve to apply the muzzle. Doesn't he say that? I'll put the muzzle on my mouth. I'm going to keep my tongue from sin. And so we have to have that same kind of determination, that same resolve. And that's a choice. That That's a simple choice that we have to make and then follow through. As James says in James one nineteen: be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to wrath. So if we were just a little bit slower to speak, apply the muzzle. Think about what we're going to say. We can keep ourselves out of a whole lot of trouble with other people and and, and certainly with with our God. And... James has more to say about that. You know, James is kind of the the New Testament wisdom literature in the way that Proverbs is for the for the Old Testament. And he has uh, so much that he echoes, I think, Solomon so much in, in the book of James. Uh, in James chapter 3 and verse 6, he says he calls the tongue a fire and a world of iniquity, and he says that it, it's set on fire by hell itself. And you, you need to go to the context in, in James chapter 3 and read you know the first dozen verses or so to see what James is saying, and I'll I'll just briefly mention that he isn't what he isn't saying is that that we're intrinsically evil, right? And we just can't keep ourselves from uh, saying bad stuff all the time. But his his point is, if you look in the context, is that we our our words and our speech we, has great capacity for evil, right? And so again, it's it's by way of of warning that we need to be restrained, we need to be measured, we need to consider just the tremendous consequences before we open our mouths. He'll say in verse 5, See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small, small fire. And your words and my words will, in the end, betray us for who we really are. You know, I think that comes through in Jesus' saying in Matthew chapter 12 there, but but also in in the book of Proverbs, we find statements like this. In Proverbs 15 and verse 2, Solomon says that the tongue of the wise... Makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly in proverbs fifteen verse two, and again, the mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom, but the perverted tongue will be cut out that's proverbs ten thirty one and so the the point is is our speech is going to reveal our character, who it's going to reveal who we really are, it indicates what is inside of us, what is in in our hearts, and if we are filling our hearts with the wisdom of God, then Solomon is saying that the that will flow our mouths will flow with wisdom right the mouth of the righteous flows with with wisdom but the perverted tongue will be cut out and the mouth of a fool spouts spouts folly so what are we what are we then putting into our hearts right are we are we filling ourselves up with the word of god and seeking his righteousness so that is what flows into our speech and into our lives or are we filling ourselves up with something else Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if we're going to change our speech, if we're going to use our words more wisely, the, the control center, the starting point, if you will, would be to change our hearts first. right? So we have to ask ourselves, do, do our hearts really belong to Christ? Have I really given my heart to to Christ? Does He, does he reign there? Am I in submission to Him? And if so, that will be reflected in every aspect of our lives, and specifically as we're talking about this morning, our our speech and how we use our words, our our speech will grow wiser, because we will be wiser. Wiser. We'll we'll watch over our hearts with all diligence, Proverbs four twenty three. And and we'll allow the word of Christ to richly dwell within us. So every time we we open our mouths, we are either advancing God's agenda, or we're advancing the devil's agenda. And there's more avenues today by which we can do those things than, than in ancient times you know with the internet and social media and radio and TV and you know on and on we, we can go right we have all these different avenues by which we can advance either God's agenda with our words or that of the the enemy And I want to think with you for a moment how we use our words uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally to advance the enemy's agenda what are some of the um, forms of speech or, or ways that we use our words that is condemned in Scripture. I and mean, what does Solomon have to say about that in, in Proverbs? Well, first of all, the, the enemy loves flattery, uh, lies, gossip, slander, uh, angry speech, we might say a wrathful speech, all these kinds of things, perverse jokes, blasphemy, all these things that we can see condemned throughout Scripture, we we know that's going to advance the enemy's agenda, because those things are not of, of God. And the list could go on, but I just want to consider some of those with you this this morning. Uh, and the first thing I want to focus on is that of filthy or inappropriate speech. So, um, if we are want to use our words wisely, we're, we're not going to engage in this kind of uh, inappropriate language. And let's just read some passages to get our heads around that and, more, and define it a little more clearly, perhaps, in our minds so that it's crystallized there. Proverbs 17 and verse 20, Solomon says, He who has a crooked mind finds no good, and he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. So what does it mean to be perverted in in our language? How can we avoid making that mistake? I think Paul helps us in the New Testament when when he says this in Ephesians 4, 29. He says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear so that clues us in a, a little bit as to what perverted speech is defined biblically it's that which is just generally uh, a perverse it doesn't lead to edification it's not with grace it it isn't it doesn't accomplish any good basically but quite quite the opposite Paul says only such a word is as good for edification that's what we should be thinking about he says and look at this he says according to the need of the moment and so that implies some some thoughtfulness on our part right what what do I need to say if anything what do I need to say if anything here according to 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 the moment um, And he says furthermore that so that it will give grace to those who hear. And then he says in the very next chapter, Ephesians 5 and verse 2, that there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. Instead of silly talk, your Bible might say idle talker or, or idle words. And uh, again, all of this kind of clarifies biblically what uh, crooked speech or perverse speech is or filthy filthy speech, right? Paul names a couple of specific things here, silly talk and coarse Course jesting—that's all over the place, all the time, right? Dirty, dirty jokes and things like this, um, just just inappropriate things. Talking about things, as Paul will say later in this chapter, by people, things that are that are done by secret, um, uh, by other people. Uh, so we want to be very careful that we're not in, engaging those things or, or, or talking about those things in a pleasurable and entertaining kind of way, or or in a way that gives the impression that uh, we approve of them, right? Because I mean, we, we talk about sin, and you know, we talk about you know that can be any number of things, right? But um, that's not what Paul isn't. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying don't ever talk about sin and the things that people do wrong. We have to, right? So we can define what sin is, and that's exactly what Paul does in in these letters, right? In all of the New Testament. But what he's saying rather is don't don't engage in it in in, in such a way um, that it's that it's unfitting, right? Don't give the impression that you are approving or that I am approving of these things or we're delighting in them, uh, we're encouraging others to do them, you know, so forth uh, like this. We, we don't want to engage in filthy or inappropriate spe- speech. We want to be very careful uh, to to avoid that because, again, our, our words have consequences, not just for um, ourselves but for all those around us who, who hear us and, uh, again, can be led astray by what we what we say. Another form of speech that is condemned in Scripture is that of flattery. Flattery. Uh, so we—that's one that we might not typically think of as as being all that bad. But you, you think about what Proverbs says here in Proverbs twenty-nine and verse five. It says, "A man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps." And so, what is what is flattery? Biblically defined, what is what is flattery? So that we can make sure we're on the same page here. Well. Uh, you know, we look at texts like this and, and others, and we can see it's this kind of uh, excessive, insincere praise, you know, telling people what they want to hear in order to accomplish selfish ends, right? That, that's flattery, and it's a form of lying, and I believe that's why it's, it's condemned in, in Scripture. Right? Just telling someone what they want to hear, praising them, not because you really believe they're worthy of it or that because they've uh, done something good or because you really appreciate them, uh, but rather you have uh, something else in mind or I have something else in mind that I'm trying to accomplish. I'm trying to work an angle. right? So I want to tell this person something good so uh, down the road they can uh, serve me uh, or, or give me something uh, that, I'm, that I have in mind when I'm saying this. i give you an example from the book of, of Luke. Uh, Luke records that um, many Pharisees and those, you know, enemies of Jesus. I guess not just Pharisees, but he had a lot of enemies. They would send people to pretend to be righteous. um, During the last week of his life, you know, he's in Jerusalem, he's teaching a lot in the temple, uh, and he's just really uh, exposing the hypocrisy of of these uh, religious elite types. and And they got to the point where they would not. go to them go to him themselves, but they would send spies. Right. They would send it says people to who pretended to be righteous. And so they would they were trying to trap him in something that he was going to say and then uh and then, you know, that they could indict him over that and arrest him and which they eventually did, of course, but not because he said something wrong, but because they twisted his words. Anyway, one of, in, in Luke chapter 20 in verse 20 we get one of these pretenders coming to Jesus, one of, one of these guys, one of these spies right? And he says, "Teacher, we know that you speak and teach correctly, and you are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. And then he goes on with this question, should, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? So this is one of the angles, aren't? Right? they were trying to trying to work? this is one of the times they were trying to trap Jesus. Uh, in something that he would say, so they would have grounds to accuse him to the Romans. But but just think about the content and the, and the audacity of this guy who goes to the Son of God and says, you speak and teach correctly, you're not partial, you show no favoritism, but you teach the truth, you teach the way of God in truth. Now what he said was 100% accurate about Jesus, the content, right, of, of what he is saying. Jesus was all, yes, he doesn't show favoritism. Yes, he is a teacher of the law, and he is correct, and he does teach the truth. But the, the motive of that person going to Jesus and telling him this, it, it wasn't, his motive wasn't honest. He was dishonest, right? He was, wasn't was saying those things because he personally believed them about Jesus. In other words, he was saying those things because he was trying to worm his way in to ask this question, uh, and to trap Jesus, and the point is is that godly speech requires not only honest content and true content but also honest motives so do we do we mean what we say is is the question, or again, are we trying to work an angle to our advantage? We need to be very careful about that, um, not just in the content of what we say, but also our motives our motives and what what we are saying. And of course, the the big one that probably goes without saying is just that of of dishonesty, being being a liar. Uh, Solomon says, "Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord" in Proverbs twelve and verse twenty two. So, uh, again, it goes back to selfishly manipulating words, or speech, to reward ourselves, to help ourselves, or, or and or to harm other people. Right? We uh, we lie because we want to avoid the consequences of sin. Uh, or because we want to uh, deceitfully get something from others. Whatever the case, it's never never good. It's always condemned. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. And a lying tongue hates those it crushes. Proverbs 26 and verse 28. Chapter 6 and verse 19 says, A false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among brothers is one that the Lord hates. And again, though his hatred covers itself with guile, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. And so over and over again, Solomon is saying, this is how God views deceitfulness, uh, lying uh, in, any, in any form. Uh, and these will be, this will be the consequences for uh, those who commit perjury to protect themselves, their friends, or to harm their enemies. They're undermining justice, and that is offensive to the holiness of God. Uh, like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. Proverbs 25 and verse 18. So these are warnings that we have to take to heart. And, uh, you know, we're not going to spend much time on this specific point because we know that the scripture teaches, that the Bible teaches, right? It's one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie. Uh, we need to be truthful in, in, all that we, in all that we do. Another thing. Uh, another form of speech that is is condemned, uh, that is r- really celebrated to a great degree in our society, and that is gossip. Right? We have entire, uh, you know, magazines and publications dedicated to, you know, specifically celebrity gossip. But any kind of gossip or slander is, again, condemned in in Scripture. And this is, you know, I think it's a different animal to some degree. Um, because it's a, it's a more appealing to a lot of people, uh, right? It's, it's, um, there, there's something that, for, for whatever reason, is satisfying uh, about it. Uh, people enjoy perhaps tearing others down. Uh, but Solomon speaks to this in, in Proverbs 18. He says, The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body and so he's very, he's you know he's being very straightforward this you know whispering gossiping slandering he says it's like little candies you know that people will just love to uh, to partake in and it goes down into the innermost parts of the body and they you know they're happy and they're satisfied with it you know we want to be uh, in in the know so to speak as we as we sometimes say but are we are we guilty of gossip are we guilty of gossip we're we're passing on uh, things that simply should not be repeated, you know, even if they're, even if they're true, even if some of those things are true, what, what good does it do to just share those things with others? Or how, what are we, you know, what are we doing really to help the situation? Well, nothing, right? Well, we're just trying to build ourselves up, tear others down. And we, we, we indict ourselves before God when we do that, because that's, that's not ever done in love, right? I mean, we may pretend to say it in love. We might say, you know, as we're, about to give a you know, engage in gossip, we might say, Well, I'm only telling you so you can pray for him. Really? I mean we we need to be careful if we're we're gonna say that. Right? Are we, are we really sharing this information with righteous intent because we are trying to be part of the solution? Or is that just something we're saying because we think it's gonna cover our tracks. Again, we need to be we need to be honest with ourselves about what we're what we're saying, what we're doing. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Proverbs 11, 13. Now, again, that doesn't mean that take that in context that if we know of sin, that doesn't mean that we just uh, cover it up and pretend that it's not there. We just, we just wink at it. No. Matthew chapter 18, we, we go to the one who's in sin, and Jesus says, In private, in private. And you discuss that with them. You try to convict them. You teach them the truth. And if they repent, you, you've you won your brother, he says. And then as things move forward, we don't have time to go to Matthew chapter 18 and, and look at the situation. But we see a progression and we see an escalation that as the person in sin refuses to repent, then more and more people are involved, two or three, and then the whole the whole church. But what Solomon is saying here is that, you know, you know something about somebody who's caught in sin. You don't go post it on Facebook. You don't go and tell everybody you possibly can who you, you encounter. Um, that's a red flag. That's it's sinful and it's going to destroy that person. It's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your relationship, right? It just it destroys people and relationships. A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. Proverbs 16, 28. Shakespeare wrote in Othello that he who steals my purses steals trash, but he that filches my good name makes me poor indeed. Some use gossip to get revenge on people. Uh, They use negative information in a vindictive way. We may find ourselves on the receiving end of negative information about somebody coming from another source, but we need to be careful that we're not given the impression that we... Are engaging in 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 gossip, Um, and you know. In in fact, Solomon will just flat out say, uh, "Avoid such a such a person. Avoid gossiping." Proverbs twenty nine and verse nineteen: He who goes about as a slanderer, again reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the gossip. So maybe we're made privy to some information incidentally or we overhear something unintentionally, but once we once it's in our minds, once we have this information, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to you know become gossipers ourselves, or are we going to perhaps use that to try and help the person with what they're struggling with? All right. Gossip is, is like a contagious disease. And you know, if we're going to use our words wisely, we we avoid it, and if and if we, and if if someone has confided in us, perhaps it's someone who, you know, they're revealing this, uh, this sin about themselves, and they they're telling you because they want your help or they want you to pray for them, or they're wanting you to help them be a- accountable. Well, then we need to, to to take that confidence and and respect it, and and again use that information in a, in a godly way to help them, not spread it around and not post it on the internet, because that is sinful. So are we resolved to speak with, with wisdom? Are we, are we resolved to do, to do better, to exercise, exercise self-control? You know, the fool blurts out whatever he or she thinks or feels, but the wise person controls his or her words. Proverbs twenty one twenty three He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. And the wise person listens to others before he or she speaks. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Again, that reminds me of what James says, James chapter 1. Slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to get angry. Remember, God will bring into judgment every careless word that we speak. And those who misuse their tongues will suffer the consequences. All of us will. Both here and now, as we've seen in the book of Proverbs, and and the, the chaos that sinful speech and foolish speech and lies and flattery and gossip bring into the, to this world. It, it destroys relationships. It brings consequences now, but also in the final judgment. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, but he who overthrows the words of the treacherous and he overthrows the words of the treacherous man. And the perverted tongue will be cut out. Proverbs ten thirty one. A babbling fool will be ruined. Proverbs ten and verse ten. And again, a fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Proverbs eighteen in verse 7 so much so much Solomon has to say about controlling our speech i hope you dig deeper i'm going to continue to study these things jesus taught that again we will be judged for what we say we will be judged for what we say do we remember that every day are we striving to do to do better and using our speech in a wise and godly way please pray about these things And if there's something that we can do at Leon Valley to help you or you have a spiritual need you want to make known, uh, please contact us at Leon Church at gmail.com or visit our website at leonvalleychurch.org. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.